welcome to the Geek Night in episode 61. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here this week with Gemma. Hello. And no one Hi. else. It's just us. Yeah. I know the cadence of my voice implied there would be another person, but no, you have been fooled by linguistic and cadence-based tomfoolery. Hooray! Yeah, I was expecting another surprise panellist or something. Yeah, the surprise panellist is my work PC that is rendering over in the corner of my office. Yay! You might be able to hear them whirring at some point. Woo! (laughs) uh, It's it's just me and Gemma this week, and we are here to talk about geeky stuff as ever. So, Gemma, do you want to start us off and pick a geeky topic to talk about? Uh, there aren't any straightforward ones because I've basically spent most of my time just doing social justice work um, as I do sometimes Uh, it's mostly news actually there's been quite a bit sort of flying around Um, uh, namely I guess the fact that Stephen Moffat has announced that he's leaving Doctor Who and he's going to be replaced by (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah it's happening in 2017 so Apparently, there aren't going to be any episodes other than a Christmas special in 2017. And then in 2018, Chris Chibnall, who uh, created Broadchurch, is going to take over. I, I've been... Convi- I, I think we're slightly off topic. There is a there is a Christmas special in 2016, which is the only 2016 oh, okay, the episode. Moffat right. is doing a 2017 series, which will be Moffat's final series. And then the Broadchurch writer comes in as the showrunner for the following season in 2018 so we or in 2017 so which way around is it yeah it's 2018 we get the first non-moffat season 2017 will be when moffat's run ends so we have a year of no of pretty much no doctor who one more moffat season and then freedom from the ever uh, ever growing staleness of moffat's doctor who writing Mm, which I think I will be reassured by because I still haven't seen any of Peter Picaldi, Peter Picaldi, <laughs> Peter Capaldi's Doctor. Um, and uh, frankly, as long as he stays on uh, through Chris Chibnall's um, I, overseeing, then I will definitely be up for that. I suspect he won't. Um, my gut feeling about like the big shakeup because there's no on the record stuff about why this is happening, but a lot of it feels, at least in the circles I'm in. Like, Moffat's show running of that show has been consistently criticised for not evolving over the run of the show, and I feel like they want to give it a big shake-up, and that's probably not only going to mean a new showrunner, but it will probably be, okay, Moffat, wrap up your run with Capaldi, end Capaldi's run in your like with your final episode, and then the new showrunner can start off with a brand new Doctor, completely fresh slate, not having to work on any of the groundwork that was laid by Moffat. Like, I feel like we'll probably see Capaldi go right as we're entering the new doc- uh, the new showrunner's era. That w- That's where I'd mm. put my money, which is a shame, because I would love to see Capaldi written by a different showrunner, but I don't think we're going to see it, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, and there's also some question marks over uh, whether the current companion will uh, be seen in the Christmas special or not, or whether we'll get a new companion. I don't even know who it is these days. Um, The last companion went in the last episode, I think. I've not watched... 
I've watched maybe two episodes of the most recent Capaldi series and then I just stopped watching because I just, I want to enjoy Doctor Who and I'm just not enjoying it at the moment. So that Mm. is a real shame. As I understand it, the last companion has now gone. They have not introduced their new companion. I suspect we will probably again get companion for one series. Ah. Companion might stretch through into the new showrunner's era. Like, if they introduce a new showrunner, if they introduce a new companion with the new showrunner, like, aware of the character and helping guide, like, okay, Moffat, this is where I want that character going so that they're at this point when you hand over to me. Maybe I could see that. Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) So that's the thing that's happening. Yeah, pretty much, like, everyone in the uh, feminist geek circles has been very pleased because one big thing about Moffat he can't write women (laughs) he is no good at writing female characters he just doesn't know how to do it yeah and I suppose I'm glad to say that I can can only say that I've I've heard as much because I've really not watched much of Stephen Moffat's uh, Doctor partly because Stephen Moffat's been the one involved but there we go (laughs) <laughs> yeah, now now we just need to get him replaced as showrunner on Sherlock as well, and we'll be golden. Yeah, it'd be nice to get back and enjoy Sherlock again. I forgot that he, he's he been involved in Sherlock from the beginning. Yeah. And, and that makes it weirder, because I really enjoyed it at the beginning. The but... first season of, of the BBC Sherlock was really strong, and yeah, it's gone but... really downhill with every subse- subsequent season. Yeah, I can't remember if it's season two or season three, but the finale of it was terrible. Yeah, it was season three, uh, two. <laughs> oh. It's been a long day. <laughs> I know there yeah, was. I know there finale was, was unwatchable. I know there was a season finale with um, him and um, Moriarty on a roof, and that finale was great. And then the following season's opener did not do anything of value. It's like, oh, we're going to tell you the secret behind the mysteries. And it's like, oh, well, actually, a lot of people have different theories in the world and we're not going to tell you how he did it because that would require us to have an answer for an unanswerable question. And you know that answer you were you were hoping for? Nah, it's too hard. We're just going to tell you that the character's not going to tell you. Oh. Yeah. I, think, I think I saw the signs of starting to go downhill when they had the breaking the fourth wall... Um, Former, uh, I'm not. Gonna, I wouldn't say antagonist, but like somebody who was antagonizing Sherlock anyway. Suddenly became his fanboy, and I think it literally addressed fan culture for Sherlock. And it's just like, what? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, but like it, it did it on such a surface level. Like that could be an interesting thing to do if they committed to being actually critical. But they kind of skimmed over the idea of discussing the the real life fan base, and then skirted away from the topic very quickly before saying anything conclusive yeah so it seemed to be just like a fan shout out rather than anything meaningful which is distracting yeah i'm not a big moffat fan i am hoping that getting someone new in will get us some some slightly bigger risks being taken because talking about a little bit about the new showrunner whose name i keep forgetting but um the new showrunner was the showrunner on Broadchurch, which is an ITV series about a murder that happened in a little sort of town in Devon, I think it was. And what I loved about that show is with its second season, it took a big departure from the first season, did something big and unexpected, and made that work in really interesting ways. 
And I'm excited to see a showrunner who is excited to take risks season to season being given the reins to a show that for several seasons has just been treading water. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Broadchurch, although I, I remember Tilly uh, singing its praises I as well. I very highly recommend that show. Yeah, but I noticed that Chris Chibnall's other credits include... Uh, well, I've never seen Law and Order UK, but that was a thing. Uh, I had I'm no idea that he's... was a thing. <laughs> I'm guessing he also read, uh, wrote some episodes for Life on Mars, and he's also credited on Torchwood, which I liked. Yeah, oh, I, I think there were some very good episodes of Torchwood. I hope some of them were mm. some of his episodes. Um, other yeah. than other than that, like, I, again, um, talking talking about Broadchurch, what its unexpected move it made was the first season is about a murder, the second season is, oh, just because we found the murderer and we know 100% who the murderer is as an audience doesn't mean that the, fa- that the whole thing's over. There's a court case that's going to happen and this guy's going to probably walk away free. And that was a very interesting direction to take a show. So I want to see this this guy. BBC, please let this this person take Doctor Who in interesting directions. Don't keep him on too tight of a leash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I suppose on the subject of writers and doing interesting things, the other big news was that uh, Night Vale Presents is actually going to present something other than Night Vale. Oh, uh, I missed this. Oh, well, oh, okay. I didn't know uh, yeah. this was news. I'm assuming this was most recent episode that went up probably said this. Uh, actually, no, because the, the last two episodes that have been up at the moment well, uh, are they, both repeats. Yeah, they so, were both like January hiatus episodes or something. Yeah, um, but it's been announced that uh, Joseph Fink has written a new series called Alice Isn't Dead. And it's about a trucker who's trying to find her missing wife. Um, it uh, begins on March the 8th with a season of 10 episodes and it, it's it's written in the same style it doesn't actually say if it's in the Night Vale universe but it says so, that some creepy stuff will happen is, is this sharing a podcast feed with Welcome to Night Vale or I don't I, no, I'm assuming I wouldn't not, have sorry. thought so initially actually. the way you were describing it I was like wait is this the, the, in the same thing Like, I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be one of these uh thrilling adventure hour situations where they were sharing ah, a right. podcast feed or something. I don't think so. It's no. more that they're launching a podcast platform because they've they've mentioned that they want to basically... Uh, well, they seem to want to open up and actually work with other creators and mm. basically create this sort of really uh, solidly written radio podcast style thing, which could not sound more awesome. I am completely <laughs> on board with this idea. Hooray! Um, do we know if this is in any way affecting the production schedule of Welcome to Night Vale itself, whether that's going to be less frequent? I don't think so, because I, I kind of get the impression, I mean, none of this is actually stated, but my impression is that Welcome to Night Vale started as like a, a hobby project, and it's taken off now to the extent that Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink can now basically work on this sort of thing full time. Um, Because it's also been announced that Jeffrey Craner is working on his own new fiction series. Um, It's due to come out this summer, apparently. So they're kind of working on separate projects, but also still doing all the other stuff. So it seems like they're basically just... Because I I think I mentioned on the podcast a while ago, when when we last brought up Night Vale, 
it was interesting that we had that break and then all of a sudden we had a, a new intro sequence and Night Vale was announced as being from Night Vale Presents rather than commonplace books. I think they basically formed a company and now they're producing Which stuff. I'm impressed it took them that long with such a popular and financially successful podcast series to do that. I thought we'd have gotten there earlier, but it is nice well, to know see. That, I don't know that it was necessarily financially successful, because the thing is, uh, the book has sold quite a lot now, mm. so that has really helped. The uh, live shows managed to draw in some money, but it's only recently they've they've gotten to the point of having like a formal... Nightville yeah. membership structure. Well, and they've it, they've it, had it a membership really... stru- structure for a long time. Like I've been a supporting member of that at a relatively high level for a while. But mm. um, it feels like they got it more solidly, though. It's like a better membership plan these days. A little bit. It's, I, I thought. I I don't know how to how to think think of it. The impression I've had for a while is that just like anecdotally, I see a lot of people who were putting money into that show Mm. i assumed it was sort of financially viable a while ago but that might just be my own conceptions on actually you know what that probably is the fact that i'm looking at this being like wait if i can make a career out of this then this show that's much better than me and much more consistent in quality surely (laughs) they're making a living yeah there's probably a little bit of that going on but um yeah that is interesting i need to go and look into this now because I am happy to have more fiction from those people. Yeah, it sounds it's an interesting one. The um, it's this new thing, Alice isn't dead. It's uh, apparently inspired by um, Joseph Fink's experience of basically being on the road with Night Vale. So they seem to have written written it whilst touring the US. Oh, and just thus coming now, up with this did, spooky road trip did i did i understand what you were saying correctly earlier that this is about that the the main character is a lesbian trucker yes okay this makes me very excited i am all up for lesbian trucker podcasts Yay! Yeah. it seems to be about her traveling the u.s in search of her wife yeah oh. and um yeah that but there's not much beyond that although we do also have um kind of a form of cover art which is a really nicely designed totally night veil style it's a truck reflected with uh, like an inverse shadow thing. It's quite cool. Ooh, how exciting! You, you know, you know what I did this week that involved traveling far smaller distances than the entirety of the U.S. and because <laughs> it was entirely about traveling on foot. I played the first three hours of Far Cry Primal, which is a video game that is like the Far Cry video games are generally about. Be very over the top, blow stuff up, like fly around being all ah pew pew, shoot stuff with your guns in a big open world. This takes that formula and puts it in the year 10,000 BC and it's like, oh, you are basically a cave person. Go do hunting and stuff. Try and stop these people who are cannibals from eating your group. Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. How am I coming through now? You're actually okay again. I think it did this before. It kind of breaks up and then slowly gets back to normal internet connection. So I think you're good. Okay. So yeah, it basically takes the open world, blow stuff up type gameplay formula of Far Cry and sticks it in 10,000 BC. It's like, hey, you have a bow and arrow and like two spears. Go kill that (laughs) mammoth and try not to get eaten by these people who are cannibals. 
and walk a bunch of places because forget all of your big traversal options, you're going to be walking everywhere. <laughs> and it's surprisingly enjoyable. Um, I've not generally been a fan of the sort of Far Cry games in the past. They're just not my cup of tea. This game is definitely feeling much more up my alley. Um, it commits very heavily to the idea of being this sort of time piece of 10,000 BC where it's like, okay, go do stuff, but it's going to be on a much smaller scale because you are a village of cave people trying to like basically not get eaten by tigers that are quite vicious. And you know, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's putting you in a, in a gameplay scenario where nope, humans are definitely not the top of the food chain here. You see, you see that bear that could slaughter half of your village. So I, deal with the bear um everything feels very terrifying and very like it could kill you which i enjoyed um i also really like the fact that it's set in central europe in about 10,000 bc i've yet to encounter one white person in central europe and that's really interesting and unexpected because when i hear game set in central europe i assume okay regardless of historical context Everyone's going to be white because that's how video games end up. No, I'm currently like yet to find a white person, which I thought was quite cool. Um, so yeah, okay. I, I, hmm. I built some spears, built some bow and arrows, uh, made friends with a wolf that followed me around for a bit because I fed it some meat and traveled, traveled some countryside trying to stop cannibals from eating my tribe. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think back then, is this then, it certainly sounds early enough to be set around the time when uh, Africans first settled the European continent. I'm assuming that's probably what's going on. That makes sense timing wise, because a lot of, I don't know enough of the history to place that. And that's something I do need to look into before like the full game comes out. But it definitely seems like a lot of tribes and villages that are, newly set up and newly formed in areas and people moving to settle themselves down into sort of small areas. It doesn't seem like these are people who've been in Europe terribly long and established themselves, which hmm. would possibly lend to that timing being right. So it is very okay. interesting. I put like three hours into it and I was very impressed at quite how it committed to being like, this is 10,000 BC, tie a stick to a stone and hit stuff and try not to get killed. <laughs> so that was fun. No, yeah, actually, quite like that as a premise. It teaches a resourcefulness in like a at sort of a Minecraft level. Yeah, ask this tree, get wood. Exactly. Most of the resource gathering I was doing was like, let's find green leaves that I can kind of crush up and push into someone's cuts if they need healing up. Let's get some sticks. Let's get some reeds. Let's get some bits of basic like slate and stone and that's sort of the level of resource gathering you're doing is like can i make a thing out of this um i can make a bow and arrows i can make some spears i can make a club i can get chunks of meat and try and tame wild animals by being nice to them and feeding them <laughs> and that's about the list of tools that i had at my disposal yeah, that that is a game that I didn't think I would enjoy, that I ended up quite enjoying. Um, what else did I do this week? Um, oh, I started watching a BBC series from years ago that I've not watched before. 
Have you heard of a series called Luther? Yes, I've heard of it, but it's, I never saw it. it. It's like a crime of the week um, police drama. So yeah, it's this police officer who's played by Idris Elba, and it's very predictable in that it is basically one of those um, police dramas where it's like, you've got a police force, but only the one detective on the police force is any good, and he always slightly bends the rules, but it's okay because he gets results, and he's gonna get in trouble, <laughs> but something changes to get stop him from getting in trouble, and he's back on the force next season after the cliffhanger ending of the season where he should have gone, but then they got him back. It's basically one of those shows, but Idris Elba is an incredibly strong actor and I really enjoy his performances. Um, A lot of the stuff around his performances um, centre around him having anger management issues that a lot of people around him are aware of. Um, Like, there's a very strong episode that I watched, um, I think it was at some point today I watched it, where... Basically, the whole crux of an episode is someone's trying to frame him for murder. And the way that his anger issues come into play is the person who's trying to frame him for murder basically gets the police to a situation where they say, okay, we're both going to be in the same place. If Luther, like, puts my life at risk, you've got to shoot him to stop him doing that. And... He's trying to wind Luther up to the point that he's gonna like get aggressive because then Luther's gonna get shot and he won't be able Luther won't be able to prove that he was innocent of this thing. And it did some very interesting stuff with that, where it's like the characters around him know that he has serious anger management issues. And yeah, Idris Elba is a very strong actor. I'm like a season and a half in, and I'm like, these episodes are consistently strong, even if the premise is not necessarily anything new. So yeah, that was two things I did this week. Uh, what about you, Gemma? Anything else you want to talk about this week? Yeah, I totally forgot that I, I should have led with the fact that I finally started watching Agent Carter. Ooh! And, and I'm loving it at the moment. And I, I had to tweet, I basically I had to hit pause when I was watching episode one uh, and tweet about this because I think about three minutes in to the first episode after they've done the kind of um recap of captain america and the slightly sort of trailerish sort of opening when they're still running the actor credits at the beginning there is a panning shot of Haley atwell as agent carter strolling across new york uh wearing a jaunty fedora uh sporting a post-war hemline there is a metro train in the background and caro emerald on the soundtrack and that's just like tick, 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 tick. I'm done with this series. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's the hat doesn't stay around for very long, slightly disappointingly. But actually, I really love it. I mean, I, I like Agent Carter as a character. I, I love Hayley Atwell's portrayal of her. I The rest of the world is just starting to feel a bit more wholesome at the moment. Cause, and I think that fits because given that Agent Carter is going from the events of the Captain America film and trying to find some way to keep up the work she's been inspired to do by um, Captain America and his heroic deeds and such. The rest of the world kind of has to catch up to her awesomeness. And it generally does that. And I, th- I think it helps that um, one of the her fellow agents... Um, is played by... I'm going to attempt his name as Enver Gyokai, 
Um, the guy who plays Victor in Dollhouse, amongst other things. Um, I like him as an actor, and I think his character is well portrayed in this as well. Um, yeah, and there's some interesting dynamics. It's nice having Howard Stark pop in and out of events. Um, mm. it's, it's interesting seeing him as well. I mean, he's not a particularly likable character, but it's interesting seeing him in contrast to Tony Stark, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting having early Stark technology as basically the catalyst for a lot of these episodes. It's like the, the whole series hangs on the fact that uh, Howard Stark's vault has been broken into, some major weapons of destruction have been stolen, uh, but events have turned out that Stark himself is being framed as a traitor. Um, so it's up to Agent Carter to kind of try and clear his name, if she thinks she sh- should. So it's uh, yeah. it's been some interesting stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm liking it so far. I'm only about halfway into season one. Um, but yeah, and it's it's visually gorgeous and good stuff. I I never got round to watching Agent Carter purely because I tried watching Agents of Shield first, and the first couple of episodes of that just really did not grab me. And I'm told it gets better as it goes on, and that the other series they've done since have been better. But hmm. that sort of turned me off of the that realm of Marvel's TV shows. And I know it shouldn't, but I just haven't got around to watching watching Agent Carter just because of that reason. Hmm. I'd have to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to actually do a comparison. I'm intending to once I'm done with Agent Carter. Um, I suspect that one of the things Agent Carter does have going for it is that uh, the writers were able to place this uh, very capable special agent in a sexist world. Um, and so that there is some of that uh, conflict going on. It's it's done like uh, they do it in an interesting way. Insofar as uh, when I say she's capable, like Agent Carter literally kicks ass. I mean that there are um, examples where she's paired up with uh, Jarvis. Um, mm. Given that Howard Stark is on the run, he leaves his butler to basically take care of Agent Carter. So he's basically used as a full guy in a deal that goes down. This isn't a spoiler. Um, yeah, he, he's attempting to go through the deal. Meanwhile, Agent Carter is doing the rounds of the perimeter and basically taking down five guys, uh, all of whom are basically trying to double-cross them. Um, and yeah, I just love the way that's flipped on its head, basically. Um, she's an interesting character, and it does come up against some horrifically sexist attitudes in in the office but it's like a constant like I'll, I'll, you'll get your comeuppance kind of stuff yeah mm. I'm struggling to describe it really because I don't know how the full series pans out yet but I can tell it's building up to something I, I am excited to hear more of your thoughts and if it manages to stick the landing of that uh, that approach yeah I hope so well, the fact it, it has another season afterwards uh, makes me intrigued I don't know where it's going to go but yeah, yeah. Uh, have you got anything else that you want to talk about this week? Mm, well, I think I'm about done. I mean, other than... Uh, yeah, because everything else is leading up to events coming up. So I'm doing some pretty geeky events in the future. Um, I, I should issue a reminder to people that Global Game Jam is coming up. So if you're interested in trying game development for the first time or trying game jamming for the first time, 
uh, if you go to globalgamejam.org, you can look for local sites near you. Indeed. If you have to be in Stockholm, then I'm helping run the local site again this year. If only I could get to Stockholm, I'd probably pop along. Well, at the moment, we've got about uh, two-fifths, closing on a half of our attendees are women this year. We've done a nice bit of outreach. Well done, you. Good funds. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, So in that case, it's going to be a little bit of a short episode this week, just because both Kate and Tilly are off unwell, and I can't talk about, about... maybe half the stuff I did last week because embargoes, hooray, they're fun but uh, thank you very much for listening everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this this week's episode of the Geek Night In Uh, self-promotion Gemma, where are you and your things on the internet? Uh, Everything I do pretty much is linked via my Twitter profile which is Goth. Hooray! And then you can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K. Buzz. Uh, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, laurakbuzz.com, all of the places. So thank you very much for listening. We will have another episode for you again next week. Bye. Bye.